the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Welcome back to a brand new episode here at Sake On Air, the world's very first podcast that is dedicated entirely to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts, one of your regular hosts here on this show that is made possible with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. This week, we are continuing with our sake and shochu mini vocabulary series where we are bringing on special individuals that are working in various facets of the sake and or shochu uh, industry or fields. And they're coming on and sharing with us a particular piece of vocabulary that they feel is important or misunderstood or is just particularly close to their heart. Uh, this week, I am very lucky to be joined once again. It is not his first time on the show, um, but we are always happy to have him back. I'm joined by Mr. Keith Norum. Uh, Keith is the uh, international sales advisor over at uh, the makers of Masumi. Uh, the sake brand Masumi is probably how you would know them best. And he is an, indeed a veteran there. And they can probably thank uh, you, sir, for uh, the reason there's so many folks in, enjoying Masumi uh, out across the globe these days. Ah, uh, Justin, good to see you and good to talk with you again. And uh... They do certainly do not have me to thank for that. They have uh, wonderful quality and their wonderful team to thank for the uh, the the lucky popularity of of Masumi around the world. But uh, talking with you again, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's you have been on the show before, so folks who've listened to the show might be familiar with your voice. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind just taking just a quick second, tell us just briefly about yourself, what you're doing at Masumi, and for those who may not be familiar uh, with the brand or the label, uh, just introduce that to us real quick. Okay, 30 seconds, that's a tricky one. Sure. 30 seconds, four, first, four, 40 seconds, fine. Okay. <laughs> first, the the brand is Masumi again, and, and where we are and where I am is really important. We're in Nagano Prefecture, home of the 1998 Winter Olympic Games. So we're up in the mountains. Uh, we're in a little uh, region called Sua. Uh, and um, Masumi is, is one of those iconic brands, I suppose. It represents a region. It represents a style. Um, it represents the wonderful environment for making sake that we have. Beautiful, pure water. Very high elevation sake. is a very cold weather. So cold weather brewing. And it produces a certain quality, a beautiful quality. So um, yeah, where we are is who we are as a sake maker. Now, who I am, again, I'm Keith Norum, and I've been living up here in these mountains of Sua uh, for around 30 years. I'm almost embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> Originally, I'm from California, um, and I just kept going west and ended up here in Japan and up in the glorious mountains. Um, so not enough about me. Uh, why don't we get right into the topic at hand? <laughs> Keith, you've, you've clearly done something right. So you're 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 doing you're doing good work, and you're in a good place. Uh, I, I imagine there are a handful of listeners who have 
been out to Sula and maybe even been to uh, Masami before uh, as well. And I think probably anybody who's been out there um, probably knows what a what a really just lovely, lovely place that is. And so, so you're you're a lucky man out there. Everybody's welcome. Come on up. <laughs> Only two hours from Tokyo. Does this sound like right? an ad? <laughs> One train on and off, and you're in sake heaven. Done. There it is. There it is. You, you, I think you just signed yourself up a few more visitors in the in the near future. <laughs> cool. Well, Keith, I asked you today um, to select a particular piece of sake-related vocabulary uh, to share with me and our listeners. Uh, what is that word that you chose to share with us today? Thank you for asking. And the word for me is arabashiri. Arabashiri. Okay. Yes. Now, uh, sometimes it's pronounced because it's we spell it in Roman letters on the bottle. So sometimes people say Arabashiri. Yeah. And so on. So don't worry too much about the pronunciation. Here in Japan, we say Ara, Arabashiri. Yeah. And that's that's the word that I'd love to talk about. Excellent. So for those who might not be familiar, because that's actually that that is a particular word that doesn't necessarily pop up with a lot of frequency. You know, it's one that mm -hmm. isn't necessarily going to appear on all too many bottles. Um, and unless you really dig in, um, you you yeah. may not find it in, you know, sort of normal sake nomenclature, although it's entirely common or I say it's 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 common language, I guess, in the industry or in explaining this. Exactly. It's not it's not as common as say something like Jumai or you know Kinjo or something exactly. like that yeah. that you're gonna see on there. It's it's pretty specific. So Arabashiri, what would be just the basic sort of dic dictionary explanation or definition of what that is? Well what I'm going to do is give you first the brewer's dictionary. Great uh, definition. Uh, because it started out as a technical brewing term. Yeah. Uh, so arabashiri refers to the first of the three stages of filtering any sake. So as you know, sake gets filtered in order to make it clear. And uh, over the years, they've come up with three words to describe the beginning, the middle, and the end of that filtering process. Now, there's no stop. It's, it's a continuous filtering. Usually takes about 24 hours. It's just that as the filtering continues, the look of what comes out changes and the character of what comes out changes. And so they've just decided to put names on the different stages. And Arabashiri is the first of the three. So you have Arabashiri, then you have what's called Nakadori, and that's the middle stage. And then you have something called Seme. Uh, here in, in our brewery, we also call it Oshikiri, which is a rare way to so you basically have one, the first, that's Arabashiri. And that's the one I want to talk about. Okay. Excellent. So we actually, we got three new words out of this one to, to kind of yes. kick us off here. But you kind of have, right? You kind of have to, but you kind of have to, no, that's okay. But you kind of have to have those, right? In context to be able to, to understand what yeah. we're, um, this particular bit of vocabulary. So of those, heck, you could have chose either of the other two. Uh, as well, too. Why did you choose to focus on this uh, uh, specifically? Uh, I chose it partly because it's a really fascinating and it's sort of a deep word. And as people will probably learn as they go through the vocabulary series, uh, Japanese language culture loves double entendre, loves wordplay, loves middle, um, second or third meetings or depth of meaning. And Arashiri is a great example of that kind of word. So the ara part can mean new. 
and the hashiri part or bashiri, we just changed the sound a little bit. So it's actually hashiru, hashiri. That part means run. So new run uh, is one simple translation of it. And it is yeah. the new, you're beginning to filter a moromi, the first, uh, the mash tank. As you filter, the, the new stuff that's coming out is the first stuff. Now, ara can mean new. So new and first. So first and new run. First run, new run. So that's a very basic way of looking at it. It gets fun because another sound ara can mean with a different kanji character, rough, primitive, or unrefined. Yeah. And it actually took on both meanings at the same time because the filtering cloth when you start is really rough because it left through a lot of the white um, dissolved rice material that's in the mash. As the filter cloth fills up with little rice particles, the mesh becomes smaller and smaller. In other words, you get a finer filter. And so the, the sake that's coming through it becomes clearer. So the first part that comes out is still kind of a milky white color because the filter cloth has not been filled up. So it is a bit rough, uh, rough looking. And it also tends to have more stronger flavors and that kind of thing, because you have more stuff in it. So it has arai, a different kind but has the same sound ara so it's not only the first new run it's also the primitive or unrefined run the first part is a bit that way so it yeah. means in one sound yeah absolutely absolutely and what i guess what's kind of needed with that as well is that it can kind of how i guess the drinker then i mean like you said it's a brewing term right so it was something that was developed for the brewer yeah. for the maker right it wasn't necessarily something that was coined as you know some sort of a marketing tool or anything like that however oh, now yeah. you right however now you do start you, you start to actually see it on bottles they'll put you know on a shoulder label or something like that it'll say arabashiri like it's it's a word that kind of came out from, you know, behind the curtain and is is now, you know, yeah. uh, some uh, information that is available. Um, and, and, you know, uh, exactly. When you asked me to select this word and I thought about it, I decided to go back to our president, uh, Naotaka Miyasaka, um, to ask him sort of how that came about for us, because we do have a product, which is really important product for us called Arabashiri. It's not just a, a sort of special sticker, sort of, that this is the Arabashiri version of this or something. Yeah. It's actually the product name itself. Yeah. It's Arabashiri. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was not around. This was way before my time when this product was developed and brought out. So I asked him uh, about that. And he said, actually, it wasn't him either. It was his father, Kazuhiro Miyasaka. Oh, wow. So his father first brought this product out in the late 1980s. And Justin, as you just said, at the time, most people just commonly had no idea what arabashiri meant. It was pretty much a brewing term. He brought it out with some very few other makers at a time when that style of sake was just beginning to hit the market. Um, what I mean by that style is the style of our arabashiri product. Now, our arabashiri product is what is called a... Shibori uh, date nama genshu. Yeah. In the sense that it's freshly pressed 
and we don't pasteurize it. We don't age it. We let it get out in the market pretty much as it is yeah. coming out. So it is that kind of primitive, wild, unrefined style of sake. He loved that part of the word Arabashiri. And so he decided to call the product Arabashiri. Yeah. But people were worried. They said, what? No general public person <laughs> named Arabashiri. You don't know what it means. So yeah. is that a risk? He says, well, it is now, but it won't be. And he was yeah. right. Um, because this was the time in Japan sake making when people were actually able to sell unpasteurized sake for the first time. Okay. Pasteurized sake means not stable sake. And if yeah. you don't have good refrigeration in both your facility and in your transport and in the sales outlet, it's very hard to sell an unpasteurized sake. And he's doing this at a time when finally namazake, unpasteurized sake was going to be able to be sold to people so at the time he was doing a little bit of a risky thing but it was also a great time to start and now it's our most seasonal product oh, amazing because i remember when the Arabashini got that renewal and it's it's beautiful by the way <laughs> both both visually and um in terms of the uh sensory experience um, oh. um and it's really fantastic but it's um I had never, I actually hadn't really thought about the fact that that is a, in your guys' case specifically, a product that lives its in its own state. It's its own thing. Uh, like you yeah. mentioned, in, in most other contexts, it's the, here's sake A that is, say, uh, a staple, you know, something from a staple product line. Um, and we put a little, you know, shoulder uh label or something or we put a stick on we put a sticker on it we put a little something on it just to point out that this is this sort of slightly different iteration of this thing that you already know whereas yeah. in your case this is something that was that is uniquely it's it's crafted to be its own entity essentially <laughs> exactly yeah and, and and it was part of a i think a general history or movement in Japanese sake at that time period, the late 80s into the 90s, when sake had to become more unique, had to become more distinct. And a lot of the terms that were exclusively specialist terms, brewers terms, started to be used on bottles in front of the public, started to become part of the marketing story. So it was an exciting time of sake. And um, our he's now the Kaicho, he's 94 years old. Kazuhiro part of that sort of frontier pioneering group that was starting to put things out there that people hadn't seen before. The other thing he said about it, actually, when he brought it out, because people were going, wait a minute, this is too rough. This is too primitive. The people who were saying that were our own master brewers. Yeah. Because at that time, everything got aged, it got microfiltered, it got cleaned up, it got prettied up before it was put in the market. And Kazuhiro said, no, right now, people, when I bring a person, a VIP through our brewery and let them taste what's coming right out of the filter, their eyes light up, their face brightens up. They're so happy. I want people out there to experience this and don't think it's rough. They don't think it's arai. Yeah. And so I know they're going to love it. And over time, they did really start to love it. 
you know, our master brewers, even today, when we make that Arabashiri product, and it's it's a seasonal product, it's our first, again, Arai, Arata can be first. So it's the first new sake of every year comes out in November. And the master brewers always go, yeah, we're with him all the way until that rough part, because our master brewers have a lot of pride. So yeah. everything comes out, it's not rough. It's yeah. beautiful, and yeah. it has certain wildness to it yeah. but they never admit to it being rough in any yeah. sense <laughs> sure sure well i guess that's part of the uh, when, when you're talking about a, sort of carrying a dual meaning right there's depending on whether it's the brewer or the drinker and sort of how they interpret that it it could be taken as you know a positive or a negative you know i think japan in general not just sake there's been just kind of this trending toward fresh right um so the idea of having the new run or the first run or something um is is very appealing oh it's the fresh version it's the light version it's the you know it sort of carries that context however also having rough right rough <laughs> probably probably from the brewer's standpoint they it probably brought on that context i'm guessing because that's how they interpreted it Right. Yes. In in the context of whether it's other sakes they make or like you said, the rest of the pressing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And in 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 fact, uh, at the time, uh, well, I just asked our master brew again about this. And he's, you know, I asked him, well, how how do you decide when that first part of the pressing is done and you start calling it nakadori instead of arabashiri? He said, well, it's very simple. You look at what's coming out, and when it's no longer cloudy, then it's nakadori. Yeah, so, yeah. So again, it's cloudy because at first the filter cloth has is open. It's clean. Um, it doesn't have any particles in it, and so the holes in the filter cloth are bigger, so it lets particles through. As soon as it starts to clog up with rice particles, it becomes a, a finer filter, and then the run is clear. And as you said, you know, so so for them, that first bit that comes out, it's uh yeah, it's just it's letting too much stuff through. And from their perspective, they want something that's light, that's delicate, that has a certain balance to it. And that first bit, to be honest, can be a bit heavy and it's uh it can be it can feel a bit rough in the mouth in terms of texture too. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, at this point, I think I should probably point out to all of those folks who are listening who do have our Arabashiri product, either in the state or Canada or, or around the world, that in fact, and this is one thing that Kazuhiro was also worried about, we do not just use that first bit of pressing. We do not use the technical Arabashiri only in that product. Mm. We use the entire pressing, Arabashiri, Nakadori, and Semi. Okay. Gets filtered, and then it gets another filtering in order to make all of it clear. Mm -hmm put in the bottle so our arabashiri product is perfectly clear it is not cloudy okay it uses all three of the pressing stage oh interesting okay and that is often misunderstood yeah um, so it's it's a point that i kind of have to bang on the table about the name arabashiri came as sort of a general inspiration from our chairman because it meant the first run the new run of the year yeah it, wild and exciting and it it was exciting for him and he wanted to use that name and it was just a very attractive uh word 
to use on a sake bottle because run is an attractive word. First run, run. And then to also have the idea of wild, a little bit primitive. Yeah. Thing with uh, with natural wines these days. That's sure. part of those too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess you're in the specific Masumi context, your Arabashiri would be closer to what maybe most other breweries might call like a, like a Hatsushibori or something like that. Like exactly. A, right. Okay. Yeah. You're li- literally like first pressing, right? Yes. And, and again, I mentioned it starts at the beginning of each brewing season. We get our first rice in, in September and the first uh, like um, prime level, this is a uh, Jinmai Ginjo. So it's a, it's a superior level sake. So the first that comes out gets this Arabashiri name and people wait for it every year. So there's a certain amount of anticipation about it and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm really glad you picked that word because in the unique Masami context, you were able to address like all the kind of the various angles and facets of, of that word and sort of the, the hangups with it and some of the confusion with it, the excitement surrounding it and sort of all those things. Um, so that, that worked out beautifully as, as I expected when, when reaching out to you for this. <laughs> Well, no, it's a pleasure. And uh, again, it's a pleasure to talk about uh, things that we love. So uh, that's uh, that's a, a double pleasure as well, as well as a double entendre. There we uh, go. <laughs> and I think most of your guests, when they bring a, a word in, there's going to be that second meaning, because that's part of the beauty of Japanese language culture. There's a pun, or there's several levels of, of meaning hidden into a word. So it's uh, yeah. for your guys as well, origami. Yeah. Japanese word culture is a bit of origami. It unfolds again and again. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God, and even even plugged plugged us as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, gotta do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Keith, thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your busy morning. I know it's a busy time of year over there uh, as well. And so I'm I'm really glad we got to reconnect and I really appreciate you making time. Oh, me too. Thanks a lot, Justin. Great. We'll uh, have you back on the show here again uh, sooner rather than later if, if I have any say in, in the matter. So we'll, we'll talk to you again here soon. Great. We're looking forward to it. And that will do it for this episode of Sake on Air. For anyone who has any questions about Adabashiri or anything else, uh, Masami related or Sake on Air related, you can reach out to us here at questions at sakeonair.com or follow us or the folks over at Masami. Uh, online uh, by searching for us uh, sake on air or i'm sure if you plug masami into your instagram i'm pretty sure a few things will pop up there as well too so i encourage you to uh, uh follow along with uh, all there up to uh, over in sua and across the globe sake on air is made possible with the fantastic support of the japan sake and shochu makers association and broadcast whenever possible from the japan sake and shochu information center located in the heart of tokyo The show is a production by Potscape Productions with editing work by Mr. Frank Walton.